This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Health and Living with me, Limsu. And nicotine replacement therapy was first approved in the form of gums for use in smoking cessation in 1984 in the United States. Now, fast forward almost 40 years later, we now have several different types of NRT in the market, um, many of which are also available here in Malaysia. But as we continue to grapple with the prevalence of smoking in the country. How accessible is NRT to those who want to try and quit? What are the gaps um, that we are seeing in this landscape of smoking cessation? That's what we want to discuss on the show today. And joining me are Professor Dr. Mohamed Hanigi Nick Mohamed, Chief Coordinator of the Certified Smoking Cessation Service Provider. He's also with the International Islamic University Malaysia. He's joining us via Zoom all the way from Kuantan. And then, of course, in the studio with me today is Dr. Suraj Wilson. Um, Asia-Pacific Medical Affairs Lead for Smoking Cessation at Kenview. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Thank you, sir. Thank you for inviting us. Happy to have you on. Um, now, Prof, I'll turn to you first, right? When we talk about smoking prevalence, we're still relying on statistics that we have from 2019 um, from the National Health and Morbidity Survey. At that time, it said that about more than 21% of Malaysians are smoking cigarettes. We are expecting to see um, a new NHMS being published either this year or hopefully next year. What do you expect to see in terms of prevalence of smoking in Malaysia? Are you seeing trends going up or trends going down? Due to the explosion of e-cigarettes, I would presume that there could be some decline in Mm. uh, combustible or conventional cigarette smoking, uh, particularly among adolescents. And uh, and they would then contribute to the prevalence of adults that you mentioned of having 21.3% from the previous NHMS. So, as you know, uh, for smoking prevalence, you have the input, which would be the new smokers, and then the output, the outgoing, would be those who all died from smoking-related diseases. And uh, in Malaysia, about 20,000 Malaysians die each year from smoking-related diseases. So, if you consider the input, being new smokers coming from the adolescents particularly. The Adolescent Health Survey from 2022, which is last year, actually showed a decline in the prevalence of current secret smokers among adolescents. It was 11.5 previously and then increased to 13.8 in 2017. And then last year, it decreased to 6.2. This is a significant decrease uh, in terms of cigarette smoking. Uh, currently, based on the Adolescent Health Survey 2022, uh, we have 10.8% uh, among boys and 1.7% among girls. Now, um, the other scenario that we have to take into consideration is that some of the adult smokers also um, may switch to e-cigarettes, given Mm -hmm. the fact that for the past six months or so, there had been a change uh, in terms of nicotine in the liquid and gel of e-cigarettes being exempted from the Poisons Act 1952, Mm -hmm. making uh, uh, e-cigarettes 
um, uncontrolled, mm-hmm. meaning that it can be sold to anyone with any amount of nicotine. I would assume that some smokers have switched to e-cigarettes either exclusively or they uh, became dual users, meaning that they still smoke a bit of cigarettes, but they also uh, using e- electronic cigarettes. So they contribute to a lowering of uh, smoking among adults. Um, we have to wait and see for mm-hmm. the data to come out from the latest National Health Survey. But uh, in brief, that's what I would predict. Mm. Um, Dr. Suraj, how does Malaysia's smoking prevalence also compare to other countries in the region? Because part of your work sort of oversees that Asia-Pacific region, right? Where do we stand? Uh, thank you very much, Suen, for that question. Uh, actually, the data I'm going to quote is actually from the recent uh, first ASEAN advisory board on smoking cessation that Kenyu supported. And, and Prof. Haniki was actually our representative from Malaysia. And in mm. that meeting, we got uh, advisors, or we call them advisors, from, from countries in ASEAN who joined in to share uh, the landscape from each of their respective countries. So uh, what we got was actually a very diverse range of uh, prevalence. Mm. You can start as high as uh, 34.5% in Indonesia, which equals to around 70 million smokers, to as low as 9.2% in Singapore. And the rest of the countries are hovering around 20%, Mm -hmm. either one or two points above 20 or one or two points below 20. So Malaysia, as you know, uh, Prof. Haniki shared that the one that we have currently is 21.3 for mm-hmm. 2019. And we'll see what happens in the, when the announcement is out for the, for the, for the most updated numbers. Mm-hmm. So in terms of uh, this diversity of uh, ranges of, of prevalences throughout ASEAN, again, I, I believe it, it's again uh, you know, because of the diverse practices that you have in each country. The different policies and Correct. laws, right? Yeah, you're right. So in terms of practices, uh, definitely we have very strict practices like in Singapore, mm-hmm. where because of what's being uh, implemented over there, it's getting very, very difficult for someone to even start smoking and for, for a smoker to even continue smoking. But on the other hand, you, you have countries like, again, like Indonesia, where the practices are still very lax. And therefore... No, I think we, we've seen uh, past few years uh, some uh, YouTube videos where we have very young kids mm. even starting to smoke in Indonesia. So, so that's the, the wide range that we have in ASEAN. So the advisory board that we had on Sunday, the reason is that uh, we hope that this platform can be a platform where, where the experts from Southeast Asia or ASEAN can come together to identify the unmet needs and gaps and collaboratively work together to level the playing field. And hopefully, it, it's ambitious, but hopefully in the years to come, things can get better in ASEAN. Mm. Yeah. On the show with me today are Professor Dr. Mohamed Haniki Nick Mohamed, Chief Coordinator of the Certified Smoking Cessation Service Provider from the Kulia of Pharmacy at International Islamic University, Malaysia, as well as Dr. Suraj Wilson, Asia-Pacific Medical Affairs Lead for Smoking Cessation at Kenview. We are talking about the importance of access to nicotine replacement therapy in the bigger picture, in the bigger landscape of smoking cessation tools um, as we continue to work towards a smoke-free 
Malaysia. We'll be right back after a quick break to keep it here on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Lim Su. And on the show with me today are Professor Dr. Mohamed Haniki Nick Mohamed, Chief Coordinator of Certified Smoking Cessation Service Provider. He's from the International Islamic University, Malaysia, and he's joining us via Zoom today all the way from Kuantan. And then also in the studio with me is Dr. Suraj Wilson, Asia-Pacific Medical Affairs Lead for Smoking Cessation at Kenview. We are talking about nicotine replacement therapy on the show today. Um, but before the break, we were touching a bit on smoking prevalence in Malaysia and how we do compare to um, other countries in the region. And I guess we're not doing that bad. We're at 21.3% um, of smoking prevalence based on statistics from 2019. Um, so we're somewhere in the middle when we come, we're somewhere in the average, you know, when we look at other countries in the ASEAN region. Um, now, moving on to NRT, turning to you, Prof Haniki, could you give us a refresher on what nicotine replacement therapy is and where it stands, you know, among all the tools that we have for smoking cessation? Okay, this is my area of interest. Um, basically, nicotine replacement therapy provides uh, nicotine, um, albeit in a different delivery manner than cigarettes and other tobacco products, including e-cigarettes. Uh, and also, in terms of the amount of nicotine delivered, is also different. So, we need to understand that the speed of delivery uh, correlates to the onset of action. And then also the concentration of nicotine delivery would also contribute to the action of nicotine. So we know that tobacco products, particularly cigarettes, are the most harmful in the sense that they can send nicotine to the receptors in the brain within 10 seconds and in high concentration. So having been able to do this, they can elicit the uh, process of nicotine dependence very, very quickly. Uh, a radio label tracer study has shown that it doesn't take many cigarettes to occupy almost all of the um, receptors in the brain, particularly a subtype that we call alpha-4-beta-2 receptors. Um, it only takes about three cigarettes. Mm, wow. to occupy all of the receptors. So imagine the brain of adolescents being so vulnerable and susceptible to this type of nicotine uh, insult. Um, on the other hand, we understand that uh, in the concept of um, like harm reduction, um, the real harm reduction, when we use methadone, for example, for mm. management of opiate addiction, we give a substance that uh, can also um, help to alleviate uh, the craving, reduce the, the um, how do I say, the, the, the need for using uh, tobacco products and also reduce the signs and symptoms associated with withdrawal because mm -hmm. um, withdrawal is a characteristic of many um, drugs that can cause dependence, including nicotine. Mm -hmm. So, uh, having said that, when we supply clean, clean nicotine, uh, as you know, secret comes with almost 7,000 uh, harmful chemicals, 70 of them are known uh, carcinogens or cancer-causing agents. So, the NRT supply clean nicotine uh, for the purpose of uh, reducing the craving 
and also the signs and symptoms associated with withdrawals due to reduction or quitting uh, tobacco products use. So studies have shown that uh, NRT products can help to almost double the uh, quit rate um, and with the newer NRT products available, uh, it can increase it even more. Um, we were told, we were told, and uh, by experts, uh, even the people who actually conducted the trials, mm -hmm. the clinical trials, on the newer uh, NRT product that was launched uh, last week, last weekend in KL, that uh, the product actually um, can increase the success rate even more. Um, according to evidence, NRT products, as well as some other medications, are approved as first-line agents for smoking cessation, meaning that we have good data on the effectiveness or uh, efficacy based on studies. We also have good data on safety. We also have good data on quality. Hmm. So... Some people may argue or even inquire, uh, then then if you give nicotine, it's the same. As I mentioned earlier, yes, it's still nicotine, but the method of delivery is different. Uh, with the gums particularly, the absorption is within the uh, blood vessel inside the mouth, the mm -hmm. mouth cavity, what we call buccal absorption. So um, it is a, a, a bit delayed in terms of... Um, giving the nicotine to be absorbed because it has to be chewed properly. And that's the technique that smokers have to use in order to get the maximum benefit. Mm. And um, it will take maybe uh, 10 minutes to fully uh, have the effects uh, seen mm. and reduce the craving. Versus the um, 10 seconds that you were talking about. 10 seconds for the cigarettes. Mm. So yeah, this is much, much uh, more delayed. However, you can uh, use it for a prolonged time where the chewing of a piece of gum uh, can be used for about 30 minutes. And in some patients, they like to continue chewing it for up to 60 minutes uh, as per their uh, scheduled dosing. Mm. Some people use it on an as-needed basis. So it's up to, to the health practitioners to tailor with their smokers. Mm. We've spoken about the gums. Um, Dr. Suraj, maybe you could run us through what are the different options that we have available when it comes to NRT? What are the different forms that are out there in the market? So uh, a little bit of a historical uh, lesson here about NRT. The research started way back in the 60s, mm -hmm. actually in 1968 in Sweden, by a researcher called Dr. Ove Ferno. From that day onwards, the research on NRT has actually not stopped. Mm. Because uh, as Prof. Haniki mentioned, it takes only like 7 to 10 seconds for nicotine to reach the brain uh, via a cigarette. And therefore, if a person decides to quit smoking when he or she has that extreme, very, very distressful state of being in the withdrawal state, you know, you have the cravings, mm. you need an artist that are able to work very, very fast. Of course, we may not be able to beat the 7 to 10 seconds that cigarette has in the effect of delivering nicotine to the brain. But over the years, after having the first format, which is the gum, researchers continued that journey to find a faster working NRT. So over the years, they came up with a patch. Of course, the patch is more of like a 
providing a background sustained level of nicotine throughout mm-hmm. that whole day. Of course, you may need additional acute formats such as the gum and the other formats to to overcome that that sudden cue induced cravings. Maybe when you see someone smoking in front of you. When you are at a coffee shop and you smell the smoke, when there are triggers, yes, right? correct. So the other formats that has come over the years to try to match the speed of cigarette would be a lozenge, uh, would be the uh, inhaler, the nasal spray, and most recently would be the mouth spray that Prof Haniki referred to just now that we just uh, recently uh, launched. We have seen in the clinical studies uh, for the mouth spray that. It can start working as fast as 30 seconds mm-hmm. to, to help someone to overcome the withdrawal symptoms or the cravings. Of course, it's not as fast as that 7 to 10 seconds that a cigarette smoker can get nicotine from a cigarette. But then uh, currently that is the fastest format that we have. And it also provides that almost a 2.5 times success rate for someone who is undergoing that quit process. So essentially you're trying to help someone... Um alleviate those those withdrawal symptoms as fast as possible so that they don't turn back to cigarettes. Is that right? Yes, you are right. Because right. Uh, my, my experience, uh, I've worked previously in the Department of Psychiatry and Mental Health. So I've, I've had experience of treating people who have uh, smoking addictions mm-hmm. and who wanted to stop. And, and I, mean, I mean, we are human beings. I mean, we have been addicted to some other stuff, maybe not cigarettes. But we all know that when, it's, when you want to really quit something, it's not easy. Mm. You know, we can't really be using our willpower alone because there are so many things affecting us, so many factors. So, so therefore, uh, the NRT is there to help overcome that very, very distressing state that someone is in. When, when you really have that cravings, if you don't get it in, let's say, in, in that few seconds, definitely you have no choice. That person will go back to smoking mm. because uh, I, I can't really share that feeling because I'm not a smoker myself. But I've seen in, in the patients I've treated before, that distressing state is very, very distressful for them. If you don't help them in that moment of time, that few seconds, that window of opportunity, then we might just lose them back to cigarettes. Mm. What have you seen in your clinic, Prof? Exactly the same. Because we know the dependence potential of nicotine is higher. It Mm -hmm. has been rated to be higher than that for heroin or cocaine. So it it gives a very strong dependence. So in order to break the cycle of nicotine dependence, we give them treatment just like any um, diseases of similar nature mm-hmm. in order to reduce the, the withdrawal, which is a major roadblock in successful with the majority of smokers. They cannot cope with the severity of withdrawal symptoms. And this can vary from irritability, lack of concentration, uh, insomnia, restlessness, anxiety, changes in mood, increased mm. appetite, so many. So they are they are suffering, especially from the first few days to the first few weeks of smoking reduction on, uh, or quitting. So what uh, the NRTs do is that they would reduce the withdrawal symptoms uh, and also the signs as well as the craving so that along with behavior interventions, yes, we know willpower is important, but as you know, willpower, it goes up and down depending <laughs> on situation. So 
um, it strengthened it strengthened the ability of the smokers to successfully. Yes, some smokers are able to quit without medications. Mm. However, this is uh, few and far uh, in between. Majority of smokers tried to quit unassisted. They failed to uh, maintain abstinence for long term. The reported prevalence can be less than 5% only if they quit unassisted. So what we're trying to do uh, in order to break the cycle, we give them treatment and also we treat them for about three months minimum mm -hmm. because we want to make sure that they lapse and then uh, relapse if we don't treat them adequately uh, for the duration of three months. Some would uh, need more than three months. That's okay. As long as they don't go back to smoking um, or using other tobacco products. So uh, we are very excited to... Uh, ever since the Ministry of Health Malaysia uh, changed the status of NRT gums and patches in Malaysia from a group C poison to OTT in mm. October last year because this move um, has been shown in other countries and published uh, globally to increase accessibility um, beyond the pharmacies, beyond the clinics and government facilities. So we hope that smokers uh, take this opportunity to get help, assistance from trained health professionals because we run uh, a MOH-recognized uh, certification program mm. called Certified Smoking Station Service Providers since 2004. So it will be 20 years next year. Wow. So, yes, it's been so long, but um, we want to train as many uh, health practitioners as possible because the NRT, even when I mentioned the gum, mm -hmm. it's not just a regular chewing gum. It needs to be used with a certain technique. For example, the uh, chew, part, or rest, and switch and chew, and, and there are certain uh, precautions that we, um, and we need to take consideration as well as uh, suitability mm. uh, factors because uh, with the array of medications available, we need to choose the best one possible for each smoker. We call it individualized therapy. Mm. And on that note, Prof, how do you choose what works best for each individual then? Because, you know, like Dr. Suresh was listing, that we have so many different types, so many different forms that it could be delivered, right? Is that sort of, do you sort of work down the list or do you look at the individual and then decide? Mm. We take uh, the individual factors into consideration. Um, of course, uh, the level of dependence uh, would be the utmost important criterion. And the level of dependence, uh, we can assess usually by asking at least two questions. Mm -hmm. The first question is, when do you smoke your first cigarette upon waking up? Mm. And then the second question is, uh, what's your average number of cigarettes uh, per day? Because some, some smokers have higher number of cigarettes during the weekends, vice versa. So we just ask for average. Uh, having uh, uh, the answers to these two questions, it, uh, we use the New Zealand guidelines in terms of selection mm -hmm. and also dosing of NRT products available. Uh, based on evidence, those who have low dependence to nicotine can be offered monotherapy one form of uh, NRT. And logically, as evidence supports, the higher dependence smoke 
workers would uh, benefit tremendously from combination therapy using at least two forms of NRT. For example, put on the patch to provide baseline nicotine supply uh, over 16 hours. And on top of that, they will be chewing the gum, mm. particularly to address breakthrough craving um, uh, throughout the day. So there, there are differences. And the gums, uh, they come in two strengths currently in Malaysia of 2 milligram and 4 milligram per piece. So again, the lower nicotine dependence, we can offer 2 milligram piece of gum that can be chewed as frequent as one piece uh, per hour uh, throughout the day. So if they don't sleep, meaning that they'll be chewing 24 <laughs> pieces of gum per day. But usually uh, on average, it's about 10 to 15 pieces of gum, which uh, particularly used. Uh, and then if they self-adjust or self-taper, uh, it will be on a needed basis. The patches, they come in three different strengths. Mm. 25 milligram over 16 hours, 15 milligram over 16 hours, mm. and also 10 milligram over 16 hours. So those with higher dependence would be needing the 25 milligram pack. Most of them require this. If the patient with low dependence, they cannot be chewing the gum, for example, due to mm. occupation. And this is when the patient factors would come in. For example, frontliners, people who work um, at the counter mm. or a post office or a bank, they cannot be chewing a gum every hour. They cannot have a label or a signage saying that it's okay, I'm on NRT gum. Mm. You know, it's, not, it's not so polite to be chewing the gum while you work, right? Mm -hmm. In some uh, circumstances. For this kind of patients, we, we offer them uh, the patch if they want to use monotherapy, meaning that we can offer them the patch alone. Um, and then later, we can also uh, combine them for those who require um, combination therapy. Because combination therapy has been shown to be uh, more effective than monotherapy, particularly for higher dependence uh, smokers. And now with the uh, mouse break, uh, I can't wait to see I get more experience on this. And uh, it provides faster relief uh, by faster delivery of nicotine to the receptors uh, so that the patient would have less breakthrough craving or address the uh, breakthrough craving. And then if we combine this on top of the patch, uh, then we hope that uh, even when it's used, monotherapy already has a uh, very high success rate. So what more uh, I anticipate if we combine it uh, with uh, the patch so that patients can gain more benefit from the nicotine uh, supply in a way that we know is safe mm -hmm. and effective uh, for smoking cessation. All right, we have to go for another quick break and then we'll continue this discussion. On the show with me today are Dr. Suraj Wilson, Asia-Pacific Medical Affairs Lead for Smoking Cessation at Kenview, as well as Professor Dr. Mohamed Haniki Nick Mohamed, Chief Coordinator of Certified Smoking Cessation Service Provider from the Kulia of Pharmacy at International Islamic University, Malaysia. We'll be right back after a few messages, so keep it here on Health & Living, BFM 89.9. 
Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Lim Su An. On the show with me today are Professor Dr. Mohamed Haniki Nick Mohamed, Chief Coordinator of the Certified Smoking Cessation Service Provider. He's from the Kulia of Pharmacy at the International Islamic University, Malaysia. We're also joined by Dr. Suraj Wilson, Asia Pacific Medical Affairs Lead for Smoking Cessation at Kenview. And if my two guests' um, designation don't give uh, away our topic, we are talking about smoking cessation on the show today, in particular, um, focusing on nicotine replacement therapy. Um, before the break, we were talking about what it is, how it works, um, the options that are available. And really, research has been going on since the 1960s. So we've ha- we have multiple options um, in the market, even if not all of them are accessible here in Malaysia, um, which we'll get to in a bit. But I want to sort of start this next segment by talking about um, accessibility issues. And I'll turn to you first, Dr. Suraj. You know, for, as someone from the industry, you're sort of looking at it from a bird's eye view, uh, from a bigger picture. What are the challenges? Um, what are the issues in accessibility of NRT that you see? Um, what are the gaps, the unmet needs? Uh, from my helicopter or bird's eye view, my ideal world would be a situation where all the NRT formats are available. Mm if possible, even free of charge or subsidised by the government. And also, if they need to be bought, then it can be sold on the general sales line category. Mm. That means you can have it in grocery stores and, and, and not just from pharmacies. So that will be my ideal world. And as Prof Haniki uh, shared earlier, we've seen that in countries like the UK, US, Europe, and in our region in Australia and New Zealand, where... And artists are available on the same shelf as where cigarettes are. Mm. No, it actually gives the smoker when he or she uh, walks into that grocery store to have that conscious effort to see, you know, oh, I'm, I'm buying a cigarette and beside it, there's an RT. Mm. So, uh, you know, it gives that person that conscious effort to maybe start his or her quick journey. So that, that's the ideal world I hope uh, we can someday uh, move towards. For Malaysia... I'm happy and proud that uh, our landscape has been very supportive of smoking cessation. Mm-hmm. I do hope that the landscape will continue to be supportive. But I do hope and uh, my, my prayers is that uh, in Malaysia, we can someday be, you know, like what is happening in Australia maybe, where uh, the accessibility of NRTs are, are so easy that, that you can get someone who intends to quit to get it from, from any shop, Kedairunchit or whatever around the corner. Uh, I, I'm glad that the, the National Pharmaceutical Regulatory Agency, NPRA, approved the change in the classification of, as Prof. Uh, Haneke mentioned, from Category C to OTC in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. But across the region, you'll be surprised that some countries are not really keen on doing this. Mm. For, Why for, is that? For reasons that, that for, for different reasons, mm. uh, some reasons is that they believe that the uh, population in their countries still do not have that high level of health literacy. Mm. So they are worried that without that high level of health literacy, people might misuse or abuse uh, the NRTs. Although I believe like the level of abuse actually is very, very low uh, based on data that we have from around the world. And there are also countries that that are still a bit conservative. No, it's a bit weird that no, you are allowing cigarettes to be sold openly. You no, know, something that can harm 
harm the lives of not just the smoker, but also uh, his family, his friends via secondhand or thirdhand smoke. But then for medicine to help someone to quit smoking, you are restricting it. Mm. So that's sometimes a, a conundrum that I can't really uh, uh, get it, you know, uh, in terms of why uh, some countries still having difficulties in deciding on that. Mm. Prof, you were talking about people trying to quit cold turkey. I want to talk about perceptions as well. Is there a stigma among smokers who want to quit towards, you know, trying to seek help, um, trying trying out smoking cessation tools? Is that why they're turning to just willpower alone? Um, there are studies looking at factors contributing to attempt to quitting. Mm. Um, if the stigma, uh, the stigma issue is prevalent, then that would hinder uh, smokers from seeking help. Mm. In Malaysia, I don't think there's a huge stigma anymore. It, maybe it was, but nowadays mm. uh, people understand that it is a disease. It has the uh, physiological uh, component, which is the dependence, and also the habitual uh, component. And therefore, uh, even in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the fifth edition, mm -hmm. they have uh, what we call the tobacco use disorder. So, meaning more and more healthcare providers are aware that when they see smokers, uh, it's just like... Um, treating anybody with um, substance abuse, drug addiction. Uh, the the uh, difference is tobacco products are sold openly. It's a legal mm, everywhere. market. Everywhere. Yeah, it's a legal market. So uh, if you smoke and then, uh, I mean, to 1.3% or about 5 million smokers are in Malaysia. So maybe um, we, we say that there's no real stigma for them to seek help mm. because most healthcare professionals are aware on how to treat smokers uh, from the curriculum uh, that they have during their undergrads and they can get uh, additional CME or CPD uh, points from uh, such programs to get themselves certified. Uh, which brings me to the, the interesting issue like someone, uh, some people say, wow, if you move uh, NRTs, for example, to the grocery shops and mm. whatnot, would would the people there be able to assist in mm. terms of advising like health professionals such as uh, community pharmacists or physicians would do because they do medication counselling, they explain the purpose of the medication, how to use the medication, uh, what to monitor, particularly uh, the benefits and the side effects and mm. whatnot. And there's also a tailored program mm. because uh, we teach them to follow the evidence-based five A's approach from asking to advising to assessing to assisting and also to arranging follow-up. Would that happen in grocery store? Um, most likely not because patients and smokers are very mobile. They don't go to one grocery shop to get uh, advice on quitting. So the beauty of the MQUIT service mm. uh, by the Ministry of Health is that they have it online. They have a JOMQUIT whereby um, certified uh, healthcare providers or practitioners can then uh, register themselves into this JOMQUIT.com and smokers can assess this uh, and they register and then they can also then mesh uh, or choose just like you're ordering uh, a taxi or something. So you can just order and choose which 
facility or provider you want to go to in order to get additional counselling. So the issue of not getting proper um, intervention, I think, can be resolved amicably. For example, if we have information provided to the smokers when they go and buy uh, the, the NRTs in places other than the healthcare facilities. Mm. So it can be printed on, uh, it can be signages, it can be many things. So even in the package insert, I'm sure uh, the company can can look into this so that uh, when smokers look, uh, when they bought uh, the products, they know where to go to to register in order to get assistance from the healthcare providers. Mm. So then, Prof, what do you think is our problem now? You know, where are we lacking? Where are the gaps when it comes to getting people to stop smoking? Okay, the major hindrance that I see now is electronic cigarettes. Mm. People are misled, the smokers particularly, they have been previously misled uh, by certain groups saying that this uh, product, for example, is 95% less harmful than cigarettes, whereby the statement or the so-called quote-unquote evidence had been refuted by um, so many professionals so that uh, only uh, people who are not in the know will still use this statement and they are clearly misguided. Um, so from the evidence-based um, side, we know we don't know actually what's the long-term harmful effects of e-cigarettes, mm. uh, but we know it's not harmless. There are, uh, there are many uh, harmful components that had been reported because first and foremost, uh, when people say uh, it is less harmful than cigarette, yeah, you're comparing to something that is so dangerous. Everything else, you know, can be less harmful, but um, it's not really harmless. Um, the evidence that we have for uh, e-cigarettes for smoking cessation, uh, the, the latest uh, evidence is from the Cochrane Review mm -hmm. 2023. Which, showed, which has shown that, yes, uh, it's effective for smoking cessation. Uh, people who use, I mean smokers, who use e-cigarettes, they can quit smoking. However, my issue is they stay on e-cigarettes. They don't quit e-cigarettes completely. They don't quit e-cigarettes, meaning mm. that it's a substitution. They substitute the nicotine dependence from tobacco products uh, previously used, like uh, cigarettes. Now, to e-cigarettes, because uh, e-cigarettes, basically, they mimic cigarettes. Mm -hmm. They also deliver nicotine in uh, fast onset. And the worst condition is they can deliver nicotine in higher concentration, mm. especially in Malaysia where it is not regulated at all. You mm. can get 50 milligram per ml uh, nicotine, which can be very, very dangerous. We had cases of uh, poisoning, acute poisoning mm. to nicotine in a two-year-old recently who had to be hospitalized That's from right. vaping, high concentration. And they formulated uh, new nicotine uh, salts which can be delivered with uh, in higher concentration and uh, better bioavailability. So all this contributed to people using more e-cigarettes. So... Um, my issue is that we need now evidence, we need now studies, data on how to assist uh, e-cigarette 
smoke users to quit. Hmm. Yep. So there are uh, pilot studies and whatnot, but we're still uh, looking at the evidence level before we make any recommendation. Mm. Uh, I am very happy if we can uh, later have uh, approval from mm-hmm. the Ministry of Health, for example, to also use the available medications for smoking cessation for e-cigarette cessation mm. because essentially they are almost the same. We're talking yeah. about nicotine addiction here, right? Yes. Yes. So, and the pilot studies uh, that I've mentioned also use uh, the same medications mm-hmm. uh, on top of uh, certain other techniques like gradually reducing the concentration of nicotine over time, the number of puffs um, for, from vaping over time to, to till zero. Mm-hmm. So, the issue that I have is that we need to address this uh, gap or lacuna in first and foremost our country's regulations because mm. there's no regulation. Mm. So once we have fixed that, uh, I believe the Minister of Health will table the uh, what we call the tobacco bill, yeah, uh, smoking product for public health bill. And hopefully, as, I, as we said just now, it will be passed because mm. at least then we have one less issue to worry about. Uh, we know people, uh, especially adolescents, mm-hmm. they are curious by nature and they are attracted. And, the, and our the, e-cigarettes are packaged uh, in very um, attractive manner. Is, yeah, they, they target the children and adolescents, mm. definitely. So well, if we can control that, at least we have one is- less issue to worry about because vaping is also a gateway to smoking. Mm. Mm. And also illicit substance abuse, similar to if you start with smoking, yes, increases risk of illicit substance abuse. If you start with vaping, it increases risk to smoking and also illicit drug abuse. So, same old, same old. In the end, it's also it, it's a horror story. Mm. So, yeah, what we want to address uh, is better control of all tobacco products. We hope the country will do more also because, for example, the availability of medications such as NRT can be an issue mm. in and, the government side. Mm. And on that note, Prof, um, just very quickly before I turn back to you, Dr. Suresh, um, Prof Haniki, are, are all the NRT options available here in Malaysia? No. Um, it has to be registered and approved as mentioned by NPRA, mm-hmm. uh, the Ministry of Health. So currently, the three products that we have are the gums, the patches, and the mouth spray. Mm. So um, yeah, this is the latest one. So, we, but there are other other products uh, like the lozenges. Hopefully, they will come soon. Mm. Uh, we also have uh, in other countries like nasal spray. Mm. Um, so it varies. Um, mm. What I wanted to see, yes, because. Smokers also have their intricities uh, or something peculiar to them. Some people, they like the chewing gum. Mm. Some people like the spraying. Some people don't like uh, hands-to-mouth things. So they just like the patches. They just want to put it on, leave it, and don't, uh, they don't have to bother about it. Mm. So uh, we have to tailor it. And the more uh, uh, forms of medications that we have, the better it would be for us to offer to the smokers. And when they understand uh, how to use these products correctly, 
that would help them to uh, quit smoking uh, effectively. Mm, the more options, the better, right? Why are we restricting ourselves to um, a few when we have potential, um, we have the tools to help us tackle smoking? Um, Dr. Suresh, do you see potential for research and development to continue to grow when it comes to NRC options? Because as you said, right, we've not stopped since the 60s. Do you think we'll see more innovative options coming up? Uh, actually, I'd like to refer back to the Cochrane Review that uh, Prof. Haniki mentioned. So actually, in one of the... Uh, prior Cochrane reviews, prior to the 2023 review, there was actually a statement in that Cochrane review that said that actually all the evidence that is currently available for NRT doesn't require any more new studies to come in <laughs> to increase the, the level of scientific evidence to show how effective we or safe it is. We already know it. But having said that, of mm. course, uh, Scientists are still working on trying to come up with newer formats. So because of that, definitely research is still ongoing. Uh, there's, a, there's a research going on to come up with what we call the oral dispersible tablet. Mm. That might be even faster than the lozenge. So therefore, uh, although NRTs has been around to like almost as old as I am, around 50 years, but then uh, there are still some new research going on. Yes. Mm, very exciting things happening. Yeah. Mm. Um, to wrap up our conversation today, maybe I'll get a takeaway message from you, Dr. Suraj, about um, access to smoking cessation tools, especially things like NRT. Okay. Again, from a regional point of view, uh, there's, there's a big uh, no, differences between countries but I hope that via the first ASEAN Advisory Board on Smoking Cessation that, that we are supporting, we hope that uh, all the experts from each country will be able to work collaboratively together. And hopefully one day, this is my dream, I hope it can happen in my life, lifetime, inshallah, is that the uh, level will be the same, if not almost the same for all the countries in ASEAN, uh, as low as possible. Hopefully we, we can, we can uh, you know, reduce that huge gap between countries that we have in ASEAN. Mm. Thank you. And what would be your takeaway message, um, Prof Haniki, especially to smokers out there who, you know, are thinking of quitting or who want to try to quit? Okay. I love smokers. I want to treat them. If there are no smokers, I would not be doing what I do. So uh, I, want, I want to help them. And that's the same, um, I think, ambition and aspiration that all health professionals have. We know that they are having a disorder, tobacco use disorder, and we want to help them in order to improve their health and beyond. So get help, get assistance. Uh, think of it for, like an uh, investment for your health, if not for your loved ones. All studies have shown that quitting is cost-effective. So don't dwell too much about, oh, this is two ringgit per piece of gum, this is 10 ringgit per patch. Uh, we 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 need to only use it for about three months. So whatever money that you invest is for your own health. And then later, if you manage to quit for life, imagine the um, uh, the rewards in terms of monetary, not just health, but monetary that uh, monetary benefits uh, or savings uh, from having to get uh, treated for so many diseases related to smoking. So quit now, get help, uh, search or register at www.jomquit.com and find your healthcare provider and get the medications most suitable for you to help you quit successfully. 
All right, thank you so much. I've been speaking to Professor Dr. Mohamed Haniki Nick Mohamed, Chief Coordinator of the Certified Smoking Cessation Service Provider um, from the Kulia of Pharmacy at International Islamic University, Malaysia, as well as Dr. Suraj Wilson, Asia-Pacific Medical Affairs Lead for Smoking Cessation at Kenview. We've been talking about access of uh, access to nicotine replacement therapy. I'm Lim Suen, and this has been Health and Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.